Welcome back, guys, to the Mark's Life Podcast. This is Jason strumming us into the intro of the podcast. It's been a while. Uh, we actually haven't sat down and recorded one of these in a few months. Um, so you have Brendan, Jason, and Michael. And a lot of changes happened since we've last recorded this. A lot of change. Lot of change. Great strumming, Jason. Mm. Yeah, that was very beautiful. Change, nice. a, change the intro for us. Yeah. yeah. Thought it'd be nice. But uh, yeah, we absolutely have had a ton of changes. And man, it's been like three months, two months. It's been at four least. months almost. Are you serious? Since our last recording. Yeah, February. Yeah, and now we're it's, at the beginning of June. Yeah, that's crazy. So Jason, tell us, yeah. have you have you had any major life changes? Maybe even uh, in the last month or so? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I have indeed. I'm now... I uh, see something... Is that is there something on your hand? You're shiny. There's a little uh, there's a little band on my on my finger now. I guess. Wow. Yeah, I've uh, I've since the last time we got to recording one of these podcasts, I have indeed. I got married uh, to my beautiful wife Hannah White. Uh, now Hannah White McCleskey, um, <laughs> and so. Sorry, is, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. That was very serious, but we were trying to find the clapping. I know. Sound I saw y'all move it around. Like, Which one is it? Which one is oh, it? That was the worst one it could have been. You'll find it. Find it. Yes. There it is. There it is. Wonderful. All right. <laughs> we got it now. But yeah. So I've been learning a ton. I've been uh, dying to self. I've been enjoying marriage, um, learning my wife, learning how just the the man and wife relationship between husband and wife so in so so many ways just reflects our relationship with God and God's heart for his creation and for humanity it's insane that could be like its own you know multiple hour podcast I feel like if we just let you go right there it would turn into one real fast I know no, so it really could we can't do that we could maybe we later could. maybe later yeah but Mike, I know you've got some updates yourself, brother. Yeah, man. I, for the last four months, have been in training over at Fort Moore. They changed, they changed the name of Fort Benning. Last time I mentioned that on the podcast, it was Fort Benning. And Oh, I thought it was just a different... It's the same place. Base. It's the same place. Oh. Yeah, so over in Columbus, Georgia, just going through our uh, infantry basic officer leadership course. It's a, I, I mean, sp- spiritually, pretty dark place. Mm-hmm. But an incredible mission field to to really just get to be the light of Christ and love people. And oh my gosh, I love those guys so much, so much. The Lord has taught me so much about how to love the lost, really. Uh, and I'll get into some passages there that Jesus talks about. But really, the the heart of that message there is it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the mm-hmm. sick. He didn't come to save the righteous, but the sinners. And it's been such an opportunity. I'm I'm two weeks away from graduating there, wow. and it's it has been it's a lot of hard by. work. Yeah, it is. It has flown by. There it is. Two weeks away from graduation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's there have been times where I felt really weary, but it the Lord is always always faithful, and has been been so faithful to just sustain me through all of it. So it's it's a big life change. I'm about to start Ranger School come july 1st so i get two weeks off before i jump right back into that and then if i have any follow-on training after that we'll see but it's a mm. big army year for me come it's on a mission field wonderful that's so good it's crazy 
so close to graduating and then going right Jumping back right in back the next in. program. That's right. It never ends. The training never ends. There's, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of gospel connections yeah, so there. I could preach. Yeah. I just look at my future. If the Lord calls me to be a firefighter, like that's another 17 week training that they say is well, harder than some of the other trainings the army has. And, uh, special forces potentially after that, which is SF. harder. Yeah, I know. So it's it's like, what am I what am I doing, God? What why why do I keep saying yes to you? I mean, he's he's so good, but sometimes I look at it, I'm like, oh Lord, I need a breather. Sometimes, he, but he gives me the word, he gives me the word of life, and it sustains me. But it's but it's real, it's real. Come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden, I will give you rest. Mm-hmm. He never fails. Jesus carried his cross. We can. We can carry ours and come under his yoke. Amen. So I trust him wherever he leads me. Amen. And B, what about you? What about you, man? Yeah, any, uh, anything? Significantly less than <laughs> either of you. Uh, I did get the chance to go with Filter of Hope to the Dominican uh, beginning of March. And then from there, it's pretty much just the gauntlet of finishing a season where students have uh, are still in Auburn. And so a lot of events, a lot of opportunity to see them off well. And then we've kind of cruised into summer here once, uh, once May hit. And so my life has been pretty much just that young adult, young professional routine of just uh, going to work. And after work, you, you find either you've got some kind of group or something going on or you're just living life. And so really it's in the full just the full swing of routine, which has been good and is, is honestly just real life for a, a long yeah. time. So finding the Lord in that is always, Wonderful. can be easy sometimes, can be hard sometimes, but getting to see just like, how do you, how do you live, especially in a, in a routine? Sometimes it's easier when you have stuff going on, like a mission trip or something like that, but how do you live on mission mm-hmm. in a routine and to do that normally throughout your normal life? Cause it can be easier as you get put into a, a program or a situation where that's kind of required that can still be harder sometimes for sure. Um, often it's easier in one way and harder in another. Um, but then also how do you live just in a, in a typical life? Like how do you live as the Lord com- commanded us to uh, on mission? Um, but like, I'm so curious cause like you were gone for a yeah. whole month on yeah. mission essentially. Yeah. So it's interesting you talk about that because for someone that's in a routine and a rhythm, you know, it's, it's easier. I mean, you know, the enemy is always going to come at you with different temptations or different mindsets that are going to try to skew your perspective that are going to try to draw you out of the mission. So for you, or, or I guess for someone that is not routinely, you know, that's part of their job or, or you know, that's what they're routinely doing. Like they have other things going on that, that are taking their time. A mission trip or something is like, like you, you can really devote like all of your energy, all of your passion, like really like acutely into that space um it was interesting i noticed for myself this march because i was gone all march like you said i was i spent a couple weeks in mexico and then i spent about a week in el salvador as well um with with filter of hope is 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 what i do i i you know bring the gospel bring water filters all around the globe is such a beautiful ministry such a beautiful staff and calling uh on my life right now and, and on my wife's life as well but you know, you can find, I guess the way that it comes in for me is like, it's, and it's not, you know, as, as all things, it's not this conscious decision of like, okay, this is my job. So I just need to buckle down and get it done. It's like, it just kind of slides in. It slides Mm -hmm. in. If you're not, if you're not noticing, if you're not aware, 
Um, and so for me, I found even in the midst of like pouring out my heart, my soul, all my, my, my body, my energy and efforts into this, uh, into the mission of the Lord in Latin America, it was easy sometimes just to, in my flesh, kind of slip into that attitude of, okay, like this, like I'm just getting my job done. And mm-hmm. again, that was never a conscious thing, but, right. but it's, it's, it's the, it's the other side of that coin, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. So, but, but it was, I mean, it was incredible. We saw, I mean, I, I personally, with the teams that I led, saw over 200 people entered into the kingdom, uh, over the course of those three weeks, which is just that's insane. insane. And that was like, that's across the board for each, each of our leaders going on different trips is like, like people are, are flooding into the kingdom. Like never before there really is a, an outpouring of the Holy spirit, just drawing all men to himself. Uh, that's happening right now. And it's happening in Latin America. I think it's happening all over the place. Um, but it just, you said 200. Yes. H- uh, Hannah saw over 300. <laughs> That's incredible. Which is insane. Um, so, I Dude, mean, getting getting those numbers back, I mean, it's not a, never about numbers, but hearing I know, from like your entire organization for what happened in the month of yeah. March alone would be insane. Yeah. And guess what? In January, I think it was January and like a little bit of February alone in the unreached uh, mm-hmm. populations of where we're at work, over 5,000 in, no in a way. month. Are you serious? Wow insane <laughs> so it's like what is god gonna do what's he doing so it's take, happening take all that, over peter <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> it's happening all over the place and so like that really kind of brings us into this situation of like okay so how do we take part in that today right where yeah, we are right you know we live in auburn alabama you live here but you're kind of you know you're in the season where it's like i'm here but i'm also you know, this fort, I forgot to yeah, not Fort Benning anymore. Fort Moore. Yeah, yeah. Working in another location and yeah. commuting on weekends over here to Auburn. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to see the mission when boom, you're right there in another country yeah. and you, you, it's very clear. Your task is to bring a water filter and preach the gospel. And it's easy to see the mission when I'm in a place with a lot of people who have been hurt by the church, who have never really encountered the person of Jesus Christ, which is, he is the Fair fullness enough. of the gospel. Yeah. He is the good news. It is his blood that has brought us salvation and forgiveness from sins, but it's it's been you know, tainted through hurt from the church, uh, whatever it may be, growing up in religiously abusive homes. And so, it, I mean, it's a, it's a mission field, and the Lord has shown me that from day one. That's why he called me there. And so, Brendan, I think that's why, like, you're just saying, I mean, nothing wrong with your everyday life continuing at the same speed it has been. That's the majority of us right? in reality. And so the question is, how do we live on mission in those spaces all the time? Because Jesus, you know, Jesus said, you know, go to all nations, preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like he's, he's sending us out and, and it's not like he's given us days off to be in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. And it, it, Six days we labor, do all our work, and seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Even on our, our Sabbath, are we like, oh my goodness, I've been, been preaching the gospel all six days of the week, and now on the seventh day, I'm just going to do whatever I want for myself, because the Bible said, Jesus himself said, Sabbath was made for man. So, like, no, like, we're living for the glory of God everywhere we go. How do we do that? And so, I, that, that comes into, it's taken us a while to really get to the topic and theme of this podcast mm-hmm. episode, but... I'm sure you can hear it in what we're talking about. It's about living on mission. 
yeah, just trying to answer really some simple questions like what is living on mission look like? And then also like, where does it lead you? You know, what kind of people does it put you around? And how do you balance living within your, just the safety of understanding your standards and your morals and guarding those and protecting those, but also being around the people that Jesus was around. Right. Right. Which was, that's what I was most excited to talk about. And, and here's what's funny. I know there's going to be some guys from my platoon over at Fort Moore who are listening to this. And so I'm, I'm keeping them in mind and I'm like, oh my goodness, I love these guys so much. I have gotten to share the gospel with so many of them. I've gotten to to live in such a way that I so pray they have seen the person of Jesus. Not that they've seen religion, not that they've seen rules to follow or whatever these structures and systems that you have to abide by to be a part of the church, but that they've met Jesus himself through me because he died so that I could live. And the life I live, I live in Christ, in the body. And the reality is Jesus came to save the sinners, not the righteous. There's which passage was it? Let me go in here and find it. It's, it's the one, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So a little, <laughs> a little backstory on who the Pharisees are. Like they are the religious elite of this Jewish culture at the time. So Jesus was, was born into a, I mean, a Jewish family. He, he was a Jew in, under, under Roman oppression and the Pharisees were like, they, they're the, what we know now is like our, our pastors who are leading the churches and these people who are held on this pedestal and they were enforcing the law that was given by Moses, but they added so much to it to make the law very binding. It, it was religion in a negative sense that was more rules to follow than God had really intended when he established the law as, as a form of protection for his people to keep them on the straight and level paths that David so often writes about in the Psalms and Solomon writes about in Proverbs. And so I just imagine being, being a Jew in that day, seeing who these Pharisees are like, Oh my goodness. Like, look at how, if I'm, if I'm humble in heart, if I am someone whom Jesus is calling to himself, which is the, the sinner, the tax collector, the fish, fisherman, it's those on the fringes of society if just look at the people Jesus surrounded himself with, all of his, his disciples, that's who they were. Unholy people. Yeah. Right. In, in the eyes of the religious. Yeah. Well, I mean, and Fer- Pharisee literally means separated ones. Wow. And they were essentially trying to separate themselves from anything that was unholy. And I think just to talk about us as a, a church nowadays, I think that's often what we do without realizing it, mm. is that we separate ourselves trying to be in these little pockets of people which is natural when you find Christians like-minded right. and our friends. But at the same time, when you become a Pharisee, which is separating yourself mm-hmm. from the unholiness in quotes, of course, it's like, that's what they were. They separated themselves. They didn't want any part of it. And they thought that's what was, what made them right in the eyes of the Lord. But really we see Jesus was not, that's not what he did. Right. He stepped right down in there. It's called a friend of sinners. Yeah. I mean, that's what he, that's the gospel message is Jesus, the King of heaven, in perfection, in in, in eternal comfort, choosing to step off of his throne to live a life of suffering Mm. to save us. He stepped stepped into this broken world that he created perfectly, but that we messed up. And he's like, yeah, I will will take on the, the image of marred humanity. 
and, and live it perfectly, but, but not with those who have set themselves apart in their own eyes, but with those who do not see how much I love them. And, and, and he's just ever longing to be gracious to the humble. Mm-hmm. And that like, that principle of Jesus in all of his glory, all of his power, all of his just majesty in heaven, I, he, he really showed me like a deeper understanding of his worth and his value this week. Um, and I was, I was even thinking about just what you were talking about. It's like the creator entered into his creation and he didn't enter in to experience like, all right, like what, what have they created? What's the best of the best that I can like experience? Like what is my creation created that that's for me to experience? It wasn't a selfish thing. He didn't come into the world to serve or to be served, but to be servant. And so he became the servant of all. He steps in as a baby. He steps in and he, he loves people and his whole motivation was love, which, which I want to get into in a second. It's just like, like being on mission has to come from this motivation and this heart place of purity out of love because that was Jesus's in every single situation that he entered into. He, he, he never not, he never didn't love a person that he interacted with. Even if he was speaking to guys like the Pharisees, he still was loving them. It took on a little bit of a different form because it was, it was more uh, like you've heard tougher love. It was more of that kind of a love. Like, Hey, like y'all are shepherding, you're shepherding my people, my sheep, and you're doing it wrong. It's the blind leading the blind. And they're, they're leading them into those religious shackles and chains that y'all were talking about. So it took on a little bit of a firmer love. But, you know, the Bible speaks into that. It says the father who who spares the rod hates his child. Mm. In Psalm 23, your rod and your staff, they comfort mm-hmm. me. So the, the rod is what, that's a disciplining instrument. And the staff is kind of what gently guides and leads. So God's heart you know, it's not the soft, you know, like wuss kind of love. If I, I haven't said that word in years, <laughs> but uh, kind of fit there. But, you know, it's not the soft love. It's it's a, a fierce love. And it's not afraid because perfect love casts out all fear. And so it's, he's not afraid to be stern with his love, but to, and to, and to guide and to lead. And so, I mean, yeah, I guess getting into the heart posture of being on mission, I feel like it does always have to come from this place of love. And, you know, we, we, there's that, there's, I mean, so many verses about it, but I want to look at this verse. Y'all have heard it before. It's probably on your mama's uh, stove. stove. Somebody's mama's stove. It's, yeah, some out there, but it's, it's First Corinthians 13. It says, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all my all I possess to the poor and my body over to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And then it goes into what love is. All this beautiful, oh my goodness, just beauty, but... If we don't have love as our motivation, you know, it's his love that compels us out to go on mission. If that is not present at the deepest part of us, it will always be tainted with something else. It'll be tainted with, you know, wanting to look a certain way, 
wanting praise, glory from others, just wanting like to feel better, like we've earned or gained something for ourselves. If it's not for the love of God, God pours out his love into us in the secret, in the quiet place so that we can overpour, outpour that love to a lost and broken world. If it's not coming from that place, then, you know, it's honestly not worth doing. It's not worth doing because you're going to, it's going to cause harm to Jesus's bride, the image of his bride out in the world. And there's, I mean, like you said, you said in the military world, so many people experiencing church hurt. And that's, that's definitely nationwide, especially in the South, but I'm sure that's globally too. I remember in the DR, there's a ton of church hurt. Mm. You know, it's like people that maybe they have these motivations, like they want to serve God. They want to do this. They want to do that. They have like good motives, but they're lacking this love for people because God loves them. God loves people. So they're, they're moving in They're They're putting their hands on these people in these situations but they're lacking the deepest, truest part of service is love. And so it causes wounds. And I'll say, I can, I can just imagine as we're talking about being on mission and that whole topic of love coming up of the question of like, well, how am I supposed to go on mission if I just don't have that love and being honest, like I don't feel that love. So am I supposed to just not do things and pray and ask the Lord like, all right, well you give either you have to give me the love Lord or I'm just not going to go out there and do it. And I, I don't think that's true. I think I, I agree with you hundred percent, but I also think too, that like recognizing that you don't have it is just the biggest step because the scriptures say that like, if, if God is love, it's not like the God is loving. He is love. Like mm-hmm. he is the characteristic of it. And often we think that like, even with like spiritual gifts or anything like that, we think, well, we can have that without God's love. Sometimes it's like, well, you can't have something of God without having God and God is love. So like love is already in, innately built into that thing. And so for us, if God's told us to be on mission, he says he's going to be with us. He's never going to leave us or forsake us. It's like, well, love's always there. You don't have to fabricate it and pretend that all of a sudden you're a loving person. And if you may not feel it, that's okay. But recognizing that's the truth, don't try and pretend it's not you. Like trust different times where I'm like, I don't, I don't feel the love, but I feel like I still need to go out there. It's like, well, if you feel that, that he's still calling you to go out there, but you don't feel Mm -hmm. the love in your heart at the moment, trust that as you go out there and step in faith in that, that he's going to meet you and Amen. fill you with the love needed to actually see him move in that situation. It's okay to recognize that, but if we pretend and put on a mask and are like, well, you know, I don't feel it, but I'm going to tell everyone that I'm good to go and I'm just going to go out there. It's like, well, then you're lying to yourself <laughs> and it's not going to go well because you're not asking for, you're not telling the Lord you need him. Like that's what he wants, you know? Yeah. And it's like, what you just pointed out is such a deep truth that love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. You know, God up there, he didn't just, you know, feel like he wanted to save the world. He chose to save the world by sending Jesus into it to redeem it and save it. You know, it's like, it's it's a choice. Like, and I've seen that in marriage. Even after three weeks, it's like, you know, you got to die to yourself. You got to humble yourself. You have to choose love. Like, yes, we're still in this honeymoon phase where like we feel the love, but you know, we've heard from many, many people, you know, it's, it's, it's way more than a feeling. And again, I have already experienced that as well, but I mean, even right here, like, you know, I want to hear from you, Mike, but like first John, I can see over there. Got, you got something cooking over there. First John, I'm one of my favorite passages, yeah. just mm-hmm. first John three specifically, this whole section is called love one another. And I'm not going to read all of it. It's verses 11 through the end of it. Um, looks like 24, 
but it talks about love and it says, whoever does not love abides in death. Wow. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this, we know love that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. I mean, any, everyone who hate, oh, sorry, whoever does not love abides in death. So that's gotta be the, that if you want to see life, yeah, which is where I think for a lot of us, mission being on mission kind of gives you an adrenaline, a little bit of like, like, this is why I'm here. And perhaps for a reason that maybe the Lord built us to be that way of when we're on mission, kind of feel more alive. But like that is going to pour out life to not only yourself, but people around you. But if you do not, it says whoever does not love abides in death yeah. and there's no light in death. Yeah. And, but it makes sense because like you said, God is love. And so Jesus, Jesus goes in John 14, he says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is life himself, and he is love. So if you're not abiding in the vine of Christ, if you're not abiding in that, you you are abiding in death because if you're not abiding in God, the opposite of God, who is life himself, the source of all life, it's only death. It's it's such a, it's a, it's a light and dark. Like there's no gray. It's not like, you know, you're kind of like barely breathing, still alive kinda and barely like, breathing. Kinda. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the gospel, straight up. I have some scriptures that are about to connect all of this, and it's kind of blowing my mind right now. Let's go. We'll blow our minds. Because, Jason, you're, you're over there talking about abiding in his love, and, of course, I'm already turned to John 15. There it is. But what comes a little bit after the whole abide in me and I will abide in you is when he says, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commands and abide in His love. I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. And here it is. I'm like, all right, how do I abide in His love? Everyone's like, oh, abide, abide. It's like this Christian buzzword. How do I abide? <laughs> and I may have, honestly, I may have even mentioned this on the podcast before, but it's, it's revolutionary to me, really. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So if you keep my commands, you remain in my love. All right, what's his command? Love one another. How do we love? Lay down your life. Okay, so Brendan, you just quoted that from 1 John 3, and immediately my mind goes to, I have come that they may have life and have life to the full. That's John 10.10. And it's this passage when Jesus is speaking directly to who the pharisees these religious leaders and he's saying truly i tell you i'm the gate for the sheep all who came before me are thieves and robbers but the sheep didn't listen to them i'm the gate if anyone enters by me he'll be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture a thief comes only to steal kill and destroy i've come that they may have life and have life to the full and at the end it says I mean, just something along the lines of the Pharisees realizing he was saying this about them. And it's like, oh, wow. They were were those who were climbing in some other way. It's like, oh, we can achieve this righteousness on our own. No, you can't. That's what Jesus meant when I reference Matthew 5, 17. I'm going to flip there real quick just so I have it right in front of me. And as you're flipping real quick too, like, it's crazy that you just 
quoted all that and like what we we're talking about because the, the end of first john 3 literally says just these quick verses and then it says beloved if our heart does not condemn us we have confidence before god and whatever we ask we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him and this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son jesus christ and love one another just as he commanded us whoever keeps his commandments abides in god and god in him and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us it's that simple it's that love. simple jesus came that we may have life and life to the full another passage i have here right before i read this is the one where jesus says no, it's this passage. Don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. Mm-hmm. I, d- I didn't come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So this goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of these Jews looking at these Pharisees, seeing how righteous they are. And Jesus is saying, unless you're more righteous than they an are. An impossible standard. Yeah. An impossible standard. You'll never get in. And Jesus flips it later wow. and John, and he says, I... I am the gate for the sheep. I am the way. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There are those who have climbed in some other way over the fence. But I am the gate for the sheep where you will find good pasture. His command is to love. We have made it so complicated. We we are so quick to judge. I mean, what does Jesus say a little bit later in this sermon? Because that passage I just read from Matthew 5, it's the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. He says, do not judge so that you won't be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge, judge others and will be measured by the same measure that you use. And one of the ways I've really understood that passage is that if I'm judging someone else, I will then be condemned in my own heart through the same lens that I'm condemning someone else. Yeah, it says in James, judge, judgment is without mercy to those who have shown no mercy. Wow. It's that same idea. That like when you don't have when you are not showing mercy or you're not showing love, like you're going to be judged with the same portion. Yeah. And who are we to judge? It always goes back to the person of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. I mean, we were dead, dead in sin. We were born into the curse of sin and death. And so who are we to ever look at somebody else mm. and judge them for missing, like, like Jesus said in Matthew 5, missing that iota of the law for everyone. He, he says when he's talking about like, if you, if you even curse a brother under your breath, you've murdered them. If you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery with her. You break one law, you've broken the whole law. Mm-hmm. No one is more righteous than another. It, it, Obviously, Jesus is making that statement of like, unless your righteousness surpasses theirs, you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. He's saying, there is no righteousness apart from me. Yeah. There is, no, who's more righteous than the other? No one is righteous. Not even one. Yeah. For all, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It, that is the lens through which we have to love people. Yeah. Knowing that 
knowing that we have been forgiven much. Because what's happening when Jesus is at a Pharisee's house? He's reclining at a table, and it's probably a pretty nice house. A lot of really important people in this town. This woman of the city, Hmm. she was a prostitute. And she comes in and starts washing Jesus' feet with her hair. In this Pharisee's house, important people. This woman that everyone knows breaks this jar of ointment worth a year's wages and just washing Jesus' feet with her hair. And they're like, don't you know who's touching you right now? He pays them no mind. He looks at her directly and says, woman, your sins are forgiven. He looks around at them and he says, this woman loves much because she has been forgiven much. Whoever has been forgiven much loves much, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. That's why he says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Mm -hmm. I did not come to save the righteous, but the sinners. It's, there's no one righteous. There's no one who's healthy. It's rhetorical. (laughs) It always has Mm -hmm. been. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Yeah. He said, for I did not come into the world to judge it, but to save it. Um, and so that, that is his heart of love for the world. If he, if he came to judge, we would all be toast. <laughs> oh my goodness. We are, <laughs> we're not righteous. You know, our righteousness is contingent upon him seated on the throne, not our behavior. Um, so that's an important thing to, to understand. But I do want to, I, I kind of want to pivot into like in the midst, you know, like when we're on mission, mm-hmm. we, we talked about that. Like, even if you're not feeling it, cause love is not a feeling, it's a choice. Like, so you choose in full desperation and need of the Holy spirit to fulfill that heart place in you of, I want a pure heart. I want to love, I want to, I want to go on mission. So once we've taken that step and we're in the mission, right? Maybe we're, we're going out on campus and evangelizing. Maybe, you know, we just feel a little impression at the grocery store, we're, we're, you know, wherever it is. Once we're there, let's let's talk about some some things concerning that once we're there. Some practical application. Practical application, yeah. yeah. I think the, the the first thing, unless you were about to say something. You got it. It's just like, be ready to deal with sinners. Huh. <laughs> sounds so <laughs> stupid, honestly, but like the truth of it is that I think... I don't know, at least for me, I'll say this, at least for me, I've experienced as I've been in a church now for a few years. And like, I think I've just been around people who, I mean, we're all sinners being sanctified into Christ's image. But when you're around people who really have no, pay no mind to Christ, that it just feels so disconnected. Like, I feel like when I'm around people who are in church and like that, you forget sometimes that like we're still broken beings sometimes, not that they're perfect, but I think it's just the church, like the mindset I have sometimes. And then when I go out there and I'm talking to someone who, you know, doesn't know Christ at all or care to know him. And it's just like, I, it feels rough and it feels like I kind of get taken back sometimes when I'm not used to being around that, that culture. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I know what you mean, man. The four letter expletives out the wazoo, the innuendos nonstop. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. And, and we, we have to see that through that perspective of they they don't know Jesus. Yeah, I mean, they're they're finding satisfaction in what the world has to offer, and we're not the judge. No, we're not the judge. Yeah. So, hey, look, I, I'm gonna. Jesus is gonna bring you in the the mess that you are because he did that to me. Amen. 
<laughs> he did <laughs> that to all of us. Yeah, it's like I'm I'm not better yeah. than them because I know Christ. Like, what have I done to earn <laughs> my down. salvation? For me to th- sit there and think, well, that's they're pretty rough around the edges. Like, so was I. Yeah. Before I was saved by grace. And I just think I need to I need to personally start with that mindset of just it's isn't it's not like a one I I say with my mind when I'm walking to conversation, but it's something subconsciously that I realize after I'm like if whether I want to admit it or not, I'm like I feel like I am better at some points. It's a hard thing to admit, but it's truth, you know. Yeah. And so I I think really just it's just for me to realize as like you know, I lived in a fraternity here at Auburn and was around it all the time and now to go back there at this point, it's been, you know, years now. It would probably feel weird. And like, I don't, I don't ever want to get disconnected from the life that Jesus lived where he was around sinners yeah. and made them like, he was a friend of, sinners. Out of his way to interact with sinners. Yeah. Not being in a bubble of just yeah. his disciples. Like he was for periods, like around his, his, his crew for growth and for mm-hmm. opportunities. But like he purposely dr- drove them. Yeah into the environments in which he called himself into. I've uh, He's sending them out as sheep among wolves, literally. Like, you might, you're might, you probably going to get devoured out here. But it's, I mean, that's a, I think that is a very helpful perspective to just begin as you walk out, even if you're not even like consciously like, okay, I'm going into this day and I'm looking for mission for, you know, opportunities to share Jesus with these people. I think regardless of if that's your, 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 mindset going into the day it's important to look at people and say like who am i to judge Mm -hmm. who in the world am i to judge i was probably once worse worse than they are you know i I was probably once doing worse things than they were and i can say that for my own testimony because that's probably true and jesus had to stoop real low to to save me from where i was from but you know it doesn't matter if you've been in church your whole life and have never even like gone into this place of you know deep sin or, or whatever that looks like Ephesians 2, we, we, you, it's the gospel. It is not by works so that no one can boast. Straight up, it is just the grace of God on your life. And so you can't boast. You can't judge because you didn't do, we didn't do anything. We just, we just like got loved on, got, lo- got our socks loved off of us. And then here we are. So that's what we can, that's the kind of love that we can outpour to other people just this non-judgmental love because people can pick up on judgment with the drop of the hat oh they can yeah see it it's a heart posture it is and it, it's easily it affects discerned everything that you how you're interacting with them they can see it in your eyes they can see it in how you're focused if you're looking over there they can see it it's obvious they yeah. can see the disingenuity there's two passages that just jumping off the page as you guys were talking about that when we were talking about the the judging and um like, I guess the only way just to read it, but the parable of the, what, what's called the prodigal son. When I wrote it down on my notes, I, I decided to title it the parable of the two sons because there's two sons in this story. There's the one that took their inheritance from the father and goes and, and spends it all and finds himself lost without anything, working as a farmhand, longing to fill his stomach with the very food the pigs are eating that he, I mean, just think of the symbolism there. He's found himself lower than the pigs. And then when he returns, he, he says, let me find it real quick. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. And 
immediately his father saw him. He said, quick, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put the ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf, slaughter it. Let's celebrate with a feast. This is when the son returns home. But his older brother was out in the field. He came near the house. He heard the music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants questioning what was going on. They said, your brother's here. And he told him, your father slaughtered the fattened calf because he's, he's back safe and sound. And he got angry and he didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied, look, I've been slaving many years from you. I never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who's devoured your assets and prostitutes. You slaughtered the fattened calf for him. And the father's response, son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I think one of the major messages I'm hearing as I'm hearing us talk, including myself, this message that the Lord is is speaking to me through these words that I'm, I'm reading is, How many times have I been the Pharisee? How many times have I been the older brother that looked at someone else and is like, really? You're throwing them a party? They took everything you gave them and wasted it on Mm -hmm. sin and debauchery. And they come home with absolutely nothing in return. And what do you do? You give them everything and throw them a party? Oh my goodness. It's the story of the lost sheep where it, it says that Truly, there's more rejoicing in heaven over Mm -hmm. one Mm -hmm. sinner that repents than over 99 righteous righteous that need not repent. We all need to repent. (laughs) It's rhetorical. It always is. Wow. Yeah, that that story hits home on so many levels. I've been both of those sons. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I think in one way or another, all of us have been. uh, Right. But it's just... Golly, that just points out the heart of the Father for love. And my goodness, it, it just shakes me every time. Um, I think something else that I wanted to, to point out while being on mission and just out in the in the, the workplace, in the classroom, the gr- wherever you are, um, is this trust. Th- this, this trust has to be developed in the Holy Spirit to be given the words. Like, what am I going to say once I'm there? How am I going to act? What am I going to do? There's this trust that needs to be developed between the believer and the Spirit of Christ that is in them. It's not the life of the believer that's alive anymore. It's 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 the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of Jesus Christ that is uh, at work and moving in their life. Um, and so, two, I guess I'll just read one of these because it's the same account in two different Gospels, but... Um, the first one is in Mark. I'll just read the one in Mark. Mark 13, um, verse 10. But it says, or verse 9, Be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you'll be beaten in synagogues. You will stand before governors, kings for my sake, and bear witness to them. Um, that's where it talks about in John, or in Matthew, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. But verse 10, And the gospel must first be preached uh, to all nations. Um, and when they bring you and deliver you uh, on trial, do not be anxious beforehand what you're going to say, um, what you're going to do, how it's going to play out, but say whatever is given to you at that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit will give you those words. And so 
obviously this is talking about persecution being on trial before people, um, before kings and rulers and what have you. But I do believe that by faith, you can apply that and, and kind of claim that for just going out on campus and saying, Holy Spirit, I've got no clue what to say. I got no clue what these people are walking through, what they're going through in their life. But you do, and you see them, and you know them. And so I'm just surrendering my mouth, my tongue. I'm surrendering my mind and my ears, my hands, every part of me. I'm just surrendering to you, Holy Spirit, so that it's not me talking. Jesus, it's you talking through me. People, when they look at me, I don't want them to see me. I don't want them to see Jason. I want them. I want to be a mirror that just reflects the face of God to them. That they look at me, they see Jesus. And I think that that can be applied in the midst of it. And it, that takes off so much weight from our shoulders. That takes off so much pressure that we've got to think about. We've got to study, study, like evangelism 101, you know, like whatever it is. Trust, have faith that the Lord will give you those words because he wants that person saved more than you do. No matter how bad you think you want it, the Lord wants it more. And your and your job is not to... <laughs> I'll say it this way. Your job is not to save anyone. Yeah. Like God, this is a predestined for adoption as sons and daughters, right? Like your job, if you're going out and being on mission and, and living a life is simply to love people as we go back to the beginning conversation and to be a friend to people and to realize like, if God's going to do something, he's going to do something. And if you get to be a vessel and watch him do it, through you then praise God and we get to that's an incredible thing but at the same time like the words that you say aren't going to mess up God's agenda like you and honestly I've heard this before it's like you're not strong enough to mess up God's will and to like humble ourselves and realize like we're just get to find out who like we're just trying to figure out who God's called and we don't have to get into the whole predestination free will conversation but if God's like already has called people then we just get to figure out like who who is it? And that just takes the pressure off thinking that we're going to convince somebody that like, you know, that, that to believe or anything like that. Like God's the one doing that. Like he's the one, he's the only one who can do that. He's like, it says that our eyes, the eyes of the unbelievers are blinded by the enemy. Like he's the only one who can remove that. So as you're on mission, as we're out there going out and, and meeting people and interacting with gospel with people of just love them and trust that like through the love is the only way that people are really going to get to know Jesus anyway not from our striving to try and say the right thing or from preaching or or like trying to preach to people as we're out there, but like simply just present the love of Christ and let God do the work. And it just takes the pressure off, like trying to figure out, Oh, what do I need to say? Or how do I, Mm -hmm. how do I do this? Like just be a, just be a friend. I mean, and I think it can be really hard to hear that sometimes because we can get really wrapped around the axle of what do I need to do? Mm -hmm. What do I need to say? And, and you were saying something right there, Brendan, it, it might, it might escape me, but the idea, the idea of abiding, I kind of wanted to go back to of, I didn't, I didn't really wrap up that message. It's like abide in my love. How? Keep my commands. How? Love. What are my commands? And ultimately he sums it up with, this is the greatest love to lay down your life. And so, well, still How? Lay down your life, love. It's like there, there's never going to be an explained template for how to do it. And, and I think maybe the most practical way that I could try to explain how we do it is, you know, we all, I, I think back to my own life is God has made each of us in his image. 
Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Your heart's desires were placed there by God to, to love the world, seek, seek the lost. And, and this, was, this was the point I'd remember that you said is like, who are those that he's called? Well, I'll tell you who he's called. The Bible says it. It's the humble. It's the lost and it's the sick. Go find them and love them. How? However God has made you to love them. And it's, it's never going to be a prescribed way of doing things because we're all individually made in his image. It's a, just, just be a friend, you know, be a, be a normal person. I think that you were, you were saying that earlier, Brendan, too, of like be, what, it, what it means being around sinners. Like how, how, do we, how do we, you know, go on mission and be around sinners? Well, just be normal. You know, just, just be, be a person who, who God made you to be. And, and I, I would put this pressure on myself to maybe say or do the right thing, like you were saying, Jason, of thinking like, oh, I have to be the one to save this person right now. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna ig- ignite this conversation on campus, and they're gonna become a Christian by the time I'm done with them. Yeah, I think we've seen a lot of that. I think a lot of hurt has happened because of that. And and so, what we get to do instead is trust the Lord, even when we don't see the fruit, because in in Corinthians, like Paul says, is Paul watered. Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God makes it grow. Mm. Just be a faithful worker in his kingdom. You, and a faithful worker abides in his love. That's the greatest thing of living on mission, is being in communion with God. It's not the fruit. It's not the labor. It's a communal relationship with God. And whether you live a hundred years and are never the very person through which someone is saved, if you abide in his love you were more faithful to his kingdom than you could ever imagine. That's a beautiful word, my goodness. Um, I think one last thing on that is just, I think abiding looks like picking up your cross and following Jesus because that's what he did. So we're, we're loving, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friend. That's how you lay down your life for even an, even an unbeliever, even, even someone that is in the world, even a brother, whoever it is, you're laying down your preferences, you're dying to self, you are allowing your schedule, your plans, whatever it looks like to be interrupted because that, that's, how it, that's how it plays out, guys. Like, and y'all know this, like we can make up our plans or, or schedule whatever it is, but how often do we schedule in interruptions for the Holy Spirit to drop someone in. You know, we, we ha- we're going to the grocery store. I'm going in there to get bananas. I'm going to get milk. I'm going to get this and this and this. And then I'm getting out of there. It's like, well, what if God has you to talk to the cashier lady and bless her or something? You know, like we've got to be willing to forego our time. Once we enter into Christ, we, we've foregone those rights. Our life is not our own. So that means our time is not our own. Our energy is not our own. Our schedule, our plans they're not ours to hold on to anymore. We don't have that right. And it but it's beautiful and it's freedom. And I do want to say as well like and this is the last thing I've got but you know you're we're going to make mistakes. We're human beings and it's it's awesome. You know, it's it's hilarious. There's it's just part of the human existence and experience like we will mess up. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't we're going to you. Uh, cuz we're not the son of God. We're we're trying to represent him and it's his life moving through us but 
that's just part of the human experience. But I do want to read, I was reading Jonah yesterday, um, and I want to read this quick story, just showing God's sovereignty, even in the midst of our mess-ups. It's from Jonah 1, but basically, God calls Jonah, go to Nineveh, preach against it, because its wickedness has come up against me. He immediately gets on a boat, starts fleeing from the Lord, going in the opposite direction to Tarshish, and gets on this boat, and basically, y'all know the story, winds come, waves come, the ship's about to get broken apart, and these sailors are on there, and they're like, whose fault is this? Like, like They're like, everyone, like cry out to your own God, like save us. And Jonah's like downstairs laying, like sleeping and stuff, and then the, the captain comes down, he's like, like, who are you? Like, I said, they cast lots, they fall on Jonah, which that's, that's a whole nother thing. But uh, he goes, who are you? What are you, what are you doing here? What country are you from? He answers, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? And the sea was growing, getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Jonah goes, pick me up and throw me into the sea. He's, he literally would rather die then go preach to the Ninevites. And he says, pick me up and throw me into the sea and I will be, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that the great storm has come upon you. They cry out. They try to save him. They try to paddle back, but it doesn't work. And they finally, they cry out to the Lord. It says these sailors, these pagan sailors, please Lord, do not do not let us die for taking this man's life. Don't hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you. Lord have done as you pleased. They threw him into the sea and the storm immediately grows calm. It says, At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. So even in Jonah's rebellion and failure to obey God's calling on his life for that moment, all these sailors, you know, we don't know how big it was or whatever, doesn't matter. Even if it was one sailor, they made vows to the Lord. They entered into the people of God because of jo- because they were on a ship with Jonah and they witnessed God's power and his is his, his beautiful might, um, even in the midst of Jonah's failure. Um, mm. So just, I guess, let that be an encouragement. And again, another reason just to take off pressure and burdens. Like you're gonna, you're gonna mess up. You're gonna say something funny, say the wrong thing. Just roll with it. God can use every little thing in our lives. Um, That's so good. Amen. You know, I I didn't really expect this was the direction this episode is gonna go. I'll be honest. We talked about a lot of different things and went through so many scriptures it was it was really really profound scripturally like I learned a lot that's for sure but I'm mm-hmm. like wow that was it was not I, I didn't know we were gonna be talking about you know what to say and what to do in those environments I thought it'd be like a lot I don't know a lot more on the practical side but really the practical is abiding yeah yeah <laughs> it's like it's step one yeah yeah it applies it applies to everything yeah step one <laughs> and step 100 she goes all the way through. And I would say too, just a, a practical step on top of that is just to not take yourself too seriously. That's sure. like, I, I feel like most of the issues I've seen in myself is when I just begin to care too much mm. or take myself too seriously. If like, oh no, I mean, even now as I'm just getting older and becoming more of an adult, it's like, I, I can't do that. Like, I can't be like that. It's like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like the disciples were all like super young. Unless um, you become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. It's like, I don't ever want to lose the heartbeat of a child and just like, and we all say that when it comes to the fun things of like having joy, like a child and laughing, like, but it's like, no, like legit, the innocence of a child and just Mm -hmm. the willingness to just do whatever the Lord like told them to do. They would respond. Like if a parent 
apart from disobedience, of course, a parent tells a kid to do something, they're going to do it and just trust that like the parent knows they're talking about. And it's like, once you get, if you can get to that mindset and being on mission where we're just hearing the Lord tell us to do something and we go and just don't take ourselves seriously. Cause again, if that's just the biggest issue, it's just, I, I begin to look at myself like, I oh, know I, I can't do this anymore. I can't have this conversation or I can't be here with this. Like so who cares? Yeah. Right. Like, go That's out there, so love the Lord, let him lead you and let him use you. <laughs> it's that simple. And it sounds like the practicality of it is it's a little more difficult when you become to right. have to face yourself. And when you look at yourself and you, you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit saying, go talk to this person. And then you have that moment of, am I actually going to do it or not? Mm-hmm. We all have those. We've moments. all had it. Yeah. We've yeah. all had it. You're like, you start to convince yourself it's not the Holy Spirit. Right. Yeah. You're like, oh no, that was just I me. No, he wouldn't have be. said he that. He wouldn't have asked me to do that. But it's like, if you're at that point, you're, it's probably the Holy Spirit. It's and again, an, even if it, and here's the thing, even, even if, if it not, wasn't, even if it's not, even if it's, if as long as it aligns with scripture still, if it's like, go talk to this person, you're like, ah, that might have been the Holy Spirit. Go do it. And you're, and if your heart's in the right it. place, love never fails. Lead with oh, love. That It'll never fail. It's like, t- it says test all spirits. Yeah. Perhaps that's what he meant by test it is to go see if that's actually what he mm-hmm. meant and was telling you to do. Because oftentimes he's going to speak and then you might not hear from him again until you're in the conversation. Yeah. And you have to figure out like, well, I'm not, all right, Holy Spirit, say something else if you really want to like me to do that. It's like, he, he's probably not gonna. Yeah. He's probably told you what he needed to say. It's your job now to respond to that and just trust that, oh, okay, if he's the one leading me into this, I'm going to go respond and then test it while I'm in the conversation. Yeah. And perhaps maybe, I don't know, trust that he's with you as he's promised. And mm-hmm. that's what faith looks like. And so mm. it's, it's the hope of for things assured, right? And so yeah. assuring that he, he's assured us that he's going to be with us and he's never going to leave us. So if you, are, if you're testing yourself or even if you can think of a recent time, I, I mean, I can think of times where all the time I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't know if that was the spirit. Well, just give it a shot. Go do it. And you'll know, like you will know if it's yeah. the spirit when you're in that, when you go do the thing he told you to do again, as long as it aligns with scripture, if it's not, you clearly know that wasn't the Holy Spirit then. But if it just just test it, and and if you're wrong, that's where we fall back on the "don't take yourself too seriously" part because right. it's okay. And I'll be honest, there are times when I didn't know it was God, but I was taking that step of faith regardless. You know, maybe maybe I'm praying over someone, maybe I'm just like, it's a it's a simple kind conversation at a grocery store. Maybe it's even like, I feel like I have a word from God for somebody, and. and it's, it's all about, you know, not taking ourselves too seriously in the way we approach those situations. And now we're, we're getting into, like, if we're talking about spiritual gifts, the way we approach that mm-hmm. uh, of, like, not being overly spiritual about it, of, like, hey, look, this may be totally off. I, I, this may not be God at all, but I just, I just heard this, and, and I feel like it could be from the Lord. So, like, test this in your spirit and, so and see. And, and then, you know, pray. And here's what happens a lot of the times. I'll, I'll hear something from the Lord or see something from the Lord for somebody and then we begin to pray and then the words begin to come mm-hmm. and it's like, Oh, Oh, there it is. Like you say, he gives us the words and I, and I have time and time again. So this really is practical stuff. I have time and time again, had to get over myself, had to get over thoughts of self. It's self-consciousness, which is pride. You know, when, when Holy Spirit's like, Hey, go talk to that person. You're like, what do I say? Just go talk to that person. What do I say? What do I do? Just, just go love talk. them. Just love them. It's that simple. I'm like, Oh yeah, you're right. I'll just go love on that person. Hey, how you doing? How's your day going today? And maybe they've had a really bad day and they just needed someone to ask them that. That's it. Maybe it's that simple. Or maybe the Lord straight up drops a, a scripture bomb on them through you. Like, cool. Okay. Maybe, maybe you feel a little impression that 
he's going to heal their ankle. And, and you just send up a quick little prayer right there in front of them for their ankle and boom, they're healed. Like it, it's the simplest that we got to get past ourselves and, and just, just love them. That's what Jesus did. And it brought him to the cross. Wow. We can die to ourselves in the littlest of things. Yeah, there's, uh, on top of that, just honestly, some more practical stuff for uh, what does it look like to be on mission? I mean, Colossians 4, 2 through 6, Paul just gives us a good a synopsis of it and just kind of a few steps he kind of writes about. But it says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Step one, pray. Amen. Like, <laughs> Amen. Ask the Lord, where, where are you telling me to go? What am I supposed to do today? Where am I supposed to be? Like, Often we think being on mission is like going on campus or doing these things. It's like, he might, he might tell you to go on campus. He also might tell you to go grocery shopping as you normally would have today. Amen. He might tell you to go to work and just have a more mission mindset while you're at work and pay attention. Amen. Amen. He says in verse three, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Just a benediction from him. Um, goes on in verse four, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So that's the second step. So first one's pray. Second one is pray that he gives you the words to say and trust. That, uh, we just talked about this. Yeah, trust that he's going to give you the words because that's, that's the faith part. Step three says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. So those outside the church, make the most of every opportunity. I love that. Mm. Make the most yeah. of every opportunity. Sometimes it means going out there and finding opportunities, but I think I found most often it's when God uses the distraction is what we call it a lot in our, our sphere of people, but the distraction can be the assignment, right? Like letting, like I tell, pray God, like God today, like distract me from something and I'll like help me be aware of it and help me be, make the most of the opportunity you're giving me. And so when you're out in the day and something happens, it's no longer like, why is this happening? Frustration, anger, right. all these things come up. It's, Oh wait, I prayed for this. Yeah. So let me pay attention. There's an opportunity here. Let me be present. Mm -hmm. Let me pray for my, the words to speak and trust that God's going to go through. And then the last step, let your conversation be always full of grace seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Grace, grace for yourself mm -hmm. when you yeah. mess up and make yeah, mistakes, sure. grace for them, whoever you're speaking to, they may not say that the thing that you love the most, they may reject you, but grace, because again, you're not out there to prove anything to anyone. You're out there to be obedient and to love people. And so as you speak to people, like feel like people want grace. And as you speak to them with love and with grace, they're going to be attracted to that and trust that God will use that to do whatever it is that he wanted to do in the first place. It's God, God's kindness that leads to repentance. Mm. Yeah. And it's repentance that brings us into the kingdom. So good. Amen. Love is patient. Love is kind. Mm. All right. That was that was That's some good. really good practical tie-ins at the end. Yeah, that was a great transition. Mm -hmm. Unexpected. It was the Holy Spirit who gave us the words. <laughs> it always is. It always is. So thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of the Marked Life mm -hmm. Podcast. This is Michael, Jason, and Brendan doing our best to live a life marked by Christ. Mm -hmm.